welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights here with Ken Capel. We did a dueling questions uh, format a, a number of months ago, but Ken wants a second helping, or maybe I do. So we're going to go back and forth a little bit. Ken's become a friend and a contributor and a loyal listener and a lot of uh, good insights himself. So we're going to bat insights around through the dueling questions. But thanks uh, first to the sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Compsy.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, and Panini Upper Deck and Tops. So Ken, you know the drill. You were reasonably kind last time. So if you've thought up any tricky questions, I don't know if you want to save them for last or, or hit me with your best shot first. So your turn again. Welcome to the show. Uh, happy to interact with you in this way and hit me with your first question. All right. So the first question is, there comes a point in everyone's life where you actually sit there, and I know I've done it too, and where you look and say, I made it. I'm here. I, I finally have accomplished what I wanted to, and I'm feeling really good about myself. When you were at Beckett and you started up just with the annual in the beginning and then how it grew and then you eventually got up to the four different sports, what was it that moment that you finally said, I'm here. I've made my mark now. This is what I wanted, and this is what I'm going to be remembered for. I don't know if the listeners remember that Ken is a proud graduate of Bowling Green State University. We didn't overlap because I left in the summer of 80, but I was there in the late 70s as a professor and, and you were a student there, I guess, in the late 80s. Mm -hmm. But that moment for me came in the spring of 1979. So I am a professor at Bowling Green. At that point, I have either gotten tenure or it's pretty clear to me that I'm going to get tenure. So I've got a lifetime job at a university with some great students and uh, fellow faculty members I really enjoyed. Great geography for, for being a collector. I'm still single at the time. But I had just published the first Price Guide book. And it was in March of 79. And it sold out the first day. And I said, I've made it. I've made it financially as well. I've, I've made it in, a, in, a, in some sense of career fulfillment. I knew I had a job that I loved as well as a, a side gig that I loved. Now, as the years went by, the side gig turned into the main thing. And uh, my teaching days are in the rearview mirror, but I've always loved teaching. I've always loved consulting. Everybody that's listening to this is, I'm hopeful that everybody finds something they love to do and they can and, and to be able to do it with people that you love working with, which I had in my company and, and even now doing these podcast funds. Enough? That's enough. That's an awesome answer. Thank you. Okay. My question for you, you did an episode about insurance because you have some insurance background. Did you get any feedback or second thoughts about that in reflection after a few months now that's been out? Uh, anything that you wish you would have said or that somebody said to you, hey, I don't agree with that or oh, that you're really right on? Any further thoughts about insurance in this hobby as values keep increasing? And as Beckett Media has uh, brought in an in-house kind of an insurance relationship. That's a great question. And it was funny because when the episode dropped, I had a bunch of my coworkers and friends who are in the insurance business listen in on it and just say, hey, give me some feedback. How did, you know, did I hit the right buttons? And they all said, yeah, you really did. It was amazing how, considering you, you haven't really sold that in a while, how you were able to hit all of the marks. That one little feedback that I did receive, and I always consider feedback, it's not positive or negative, it's just can I do better next time and how can I improve, is maybe just talk a little bit more about how you, you were given, I was given examples of all risk insurance and certain big name words that the, are really to insurance people, they know, but being able to bring it down to another level and kind of explain that when we say all risk, it's if you insure it for that value. Whatever happens to it, as long as it's not a deliberate act where you're absolutely not doing it yourself and it can be proven, you're going to get coverage for it. 
It may not be to the value that you think it is because what, let's say what eBay says, as opposed to Beckett Marketplace, as opposed to the Beckett Guide, that could have three different numbers because those are percentages, but it's what is a fair value to what it would cost for us to go out and replace this card today. And they would look at, and, and that's the thing, sometimes people don't understand, and that was the feedback I got was that, wait a minute, that card, I paid this much for it. Does that mean I'm going to get that? No, it means that if you were trying to go get it today, how much would it be? And I think of as you can't make a profit off of it because you could buy your, in hockey terms, your Alexander Daigle rookie cards that you paid 10, 15, $20 for back in the day that are worth a quarter today. That's not a fair comparison. You have to consider all the variables in there. Yeah, it'd be nice if those just mysteriously disappeared, but I know that's not, that's called insurance fraud, actually. So Exactly, yes. yes. That, but, uh, but replacement cost and, and, and all risk and things like that. So point, uh, fair point taken. Uh, your turn. I've heard you, you talk a lot, and I love this, about when you go to card shows and you like to feel the cards and you like to, to see the cards. During this pandemic that we're into now, that's been going on for way too long at this point, how are you being able to, excuse my the way I say this, scratch your itch, be, be able to, to go out and get your and go through your cards and, go, and look at cards, but without being able to go out as often as you would like? Because I think you're a lot like me, and I've been very cautious over the last couple of months, but I'm also getting that itch where I need to go out and actually go through some boxes and do that. What do you do? How, do, how have you been adapting to this? Okay, well, you know, I'm in Texas, and so Texas does it a certain way. There have been two pretty big shows here in the last few months that have been well attended. The first one had very wide aisles, a lot of spacing. The second one, not so much because they drew a big crowd. At the first show, I actually brought gloves. And did not put them on, kid. I got to admit, I got into. I forgot to put on the gloves. And then I thought, now maybe this is tricky. If I go look at a box of cards, then after I look at it, no one will look at it after me because it's contaminated. Again, I'm being very facetious, but no, there, there weren't. It isn't shoulder to shoulder. When I was sitting at a table at one of the tables, and I was looking at stuff, and Rich Klein was ten feet away, and he's looking at the other side of the table, and we're kibitzing and talking and having a good time. So that was similar, but we're both wearing masks. Or he, he definitely had a mask on. I did not have a mask on. I would take my mask off when I would be in a position where I was facing the wall and in a corner and not breathing on anybody. If somebody came up, I'd, I'd put my mask back up. But there's something tactile about the hobby that you don't have in a virtual show. And I was fortunate. I live in a state and a city where there have been a couple of pretty successful shows that, that I could scratch that itch. You're lucky. Ohio is not quite as progressive as through this as you are now. We're, we're going in the opposite direction. So I envy that with you. I have to make my way to Dallas soon. The next show is um, I'm advertising. I'm, I'm not in, in PR, but I, the next show is January 29th to the 31st. And if it's unless it gets shut down. But OK, my turn. Mm-hmm. You've listened to some of my mortality episodes, and I'm sure you're at least 15 years younger than me. But let's just say you're not going to die anytime soon but you want to be responsible with your family as you have cards that have value. Again, anything in those mortality episodes that you think that resonated with you that you would tell an older friend or you think should be addressed in a future episode, or or do you think that's, again, I'm looking for somebody to say, Hey, enough with the mortality because it's a downer. On the other hand, stuff happens and it's better to be prepared. That's a great question because right now we're going through something here. As I think that we had a recent loss in our family, an unexpected loss. So I'm helping go through that right now and make sure that everything is together. And as much as you think you have it together, and as much as you think as the surviving spouse or, or family that you're ready for it, 
you're not. It, it just totally throws you backwards and you got to start from the beginning and then trying to find something. So my theory is make sure, put yourself in that place and make sure that everything is the way you want it. Because if it's not, it's going to make uh, the survivor's life even harder than it is. And what I've actually done after it actually started with your mortality episodes is I, I took my lifelong friend I've had since, you know, we were kids and I told him, I made him, I said, listen, my card collection is growing and it's starting to get a nice value and it's going to be something really nice for my wife and kids when I go, but you're in charge of it. I said, I don't want her, my wife having to deal with this. I go through and I put as much as I could on Excel sheets or Beckett marketplace, you know, Beckett, not marketplace, but the Beckett OPG. And then I sent him, I, I printed out the file, saved it to, to, to a PDF, and I sent it to him. And I said, this is the collection of my cards. And this is the value. I've bequeathed, I have two children, so I've let them pick which cards they wanted. And they've got one or two each. And the value is whatever the value is. They know that. But I instructed, I said, these are the cards the kids want. The rest of it, my wife can deal with this. You need to, you deal with this. And he took it. And he's in the process of doing the same thing with his collection and making me that card beneficiary, I guess you would say, to be able to divvy, the, divvy everything up. I love that, Ken. Uh, that's uh, sound advice. And I hope, uh, hope people are listening. Okay, your turn, right? Yeah, my turn. So you've, I've heard a lot of the times, and I love your stories about going through the dollar boxes and the $5 boxes and, and looking through there. So you have an unbelievable collection and I could see part of it behind you. And I'm, I'm very jealous of how you have it displayed. How do you go about when you're going through those boxes? How do you budget your, like, you have to be really disciplined, but how do you budget your time? And specifically, what are you looking for when you go through there? It's because there's so much of the stuff that's in there that deserves to be in there, but you're always, or, or are you looking for those things that you like, you don't have, or maybe that shouldn't be in there, but are in there? That's hard to answer. With the standard retail question is, what are you looking for? And my answer is that just for something interesting. And the first cut would be something that would go on my wall. But like I said, in a $5 box, you might find something in a dollar box, you probably wouldn't. At a 25 cent box, you definitely wouldn't. But nevertheless, I'm always looking for some of that stuff. But that's one player per card and I get them slapped. Uh, the second group would be uh, local players or players of interest that I just want to have. I either know the player or there's some connection there where if somebody comes over, it's somebody's favorite player that I'll... I, okay, that's the second cut. The third cut is probably low supply, low demand. Things that I just think they're in the dollar box, but they're worth more than a dollar, but they're not going to sell anytime soon. And so rather than putting in a dollar for a quick sale, I'm willing to buy it and hold it and be patient. I'm more patient than most people because I'm not doing it for the money. I think it really is more, it's worth more than a dollar eventually, but that might be in five years. And most dealers, they don't want to wait five years. That's called dead inventory. For me, it's called appreciating inventory. <laughs> I don't have very much into it. So I'm having fun. And it, what it does, just to, to finish off this take here, is that it puts me in a situation where by not limiting what I'm looking for, I almost always come back home happy because I always come home with a box of cards. Now, whether I spent 50 bucks or a few hundred bucks, I'm not spending a lot of money on cards, but it's stuff to go through. It's You get to look at your own cards or you get to look at somebody else's cards. I think it's fun to look at somebody else's cards for a while. And was that your question? Yes, that was your oh, question. You have, you have another one. One more, because I think we're out of time. Okay. What is a can't miss Christmas present for a collector? If somebody's wife came to you, assuming the husband's the collector, the wife is not, the wife doesn't know. And they says, I want to get my husband something. And you either tell her, 
here's what I would suggest, or here's a question to ask, or how would you go about helping somebody that wanted to get a can't miss Christmas present? And let's just say it's a hundred bucks, hundred dollar present for somebody in the industry. That is because timeful right now, because I've talked about my lifelong friend and his, who, his wife, who I was their best man every year around this time, she calls me. And she goes, what can I get him this month, this year for Christmas? So I've, and I've got ideas because it, 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 you have to know the person. It's hard to, to, to sit there and say, what are you going to get here? I always, like, I've gone to knowing that, you know, him and I, my buddy and I, we, we grew up watching the New York Islanders back in the 80s. So I'll, I tell her, I said, if you can get anything Mike Bossy, Brian Trache, Billy Smith, anything there. And I give her the links to stuff. And I say, what do you want to spend? And we go from there. And I know she's gotten him a, a non-autographed Mike Bossy jersey. And she's gotten him some signed Red Wing stuff because he lives out in Detroit. So it's really knowing what the person wants or what their interests are. For me personally, if they came to me, I'd say, give me a store credit to Com C so I can go get what I want. Or Predict just came out with the new hockey. That's at the top of my list. My kids were asking me today, what do you want for Christmas, Dad? Knowing that their budgets are a little bit lower. And I'm like, start with Upper Deck Hockey and go from there. Fine. Here's the different things that you can get. So it really is just what is it that you're interested in? And then trying to find that little niche that maybe brings that little bit of special to them. Uh we're going to stop now, Ken, but I just, I knew you'd get a plug in for, you're the young guns guy. So I think your kids probably know that. And if I were still running my company, the ideal gift would be subscriptions to Beckett magazines or OPGs and things like that. But I'm a free agent now and, and the hobby is huge and everybody's excited. And hopefully there will be a lot of Christmas presents that will be sports memorabilia and sports collectibles. Thanks listeners. Thanks, Ken Capel. Be back again tomorrow with another uh, episode and uh, again stay healthy and stay safe thanks the